Chapter 3. Orientation. So, this is Scola Sakana? Nice room. Who are you? You don't recognize me without my collar? It fell off, remember? McKittrick? In the ghostly flesh. The surprise visitor chuckled, pushing the boundaries of ethereal cuteness. They named me after a rock. Who did? Those bastards that brought me here. The Inquisition? The Black Ships. Oh, I wasn't always at my wittiest. Can a ghost sigh? McKittrick took a seat on the end of my bed. What's your name? Silver. You should be the ghost with that sort of name, not me. McKittrick's aura hinted at the color of a faded blue rose. You're right. Um, why are you here? I'd never encountered a full-on ghost before, an astral body lost in my bedroom of all places. Does a girl need a reason with someone like you? I'm not complaining, just curious. Good. You'll be the one to solve the mystery. Seemingly satisfied with our introduction, she faded from my view. Mystery? McKittrick, where'd you go? At 0600, I snapped wide awake. A summary of the coming day was being recited in my head. With the built-in clock and comms capability, the collars weren't merely psychoactive dampeners. Common sense said they also contained a tracking signal, an overload detection. I coaxed our entire class down to the basement for an early meal. Our sponsors would arrive at 0700 to escort us to orientation, and I wanted to sort some things. The automated dining room lacked any flavor but gave us plenty of privacy. The place was strangely empty, abandoned by those that obviously knew better. Onyx could walk and talk, but she had a long way to go in the realm of comfort. She preferred Helix's touch over a visit to the Medicaid, but her mood sparred with rising levels of pain. Onyx's eyes tracked the floor rather than meet those of anyone around her. Ignoring the concerned face of Jinx, Whisper followed Onyx's example. The Imperium of Mankind didn't invest in prisons. Once a person had lost their legal standing and a sound reason for being, they were worth more in a recycler vat or a forlorn platoon of the Imperial Guard than as a further drain on society. That's why they referred to us as recruits or first years or sanctionites while serving us automated nutrition at tables bolted to the basement floor. Eat up, I said, wondering at the nutritional level of mineral water and synthetic coffee, and felt anything other than enthused. The overload of energy I'd scarfed the previous evening gave me enough to function. It had even allowed me to slip into my ethereal state and prowl our Habs halls during the night. I'd checked on Onyx at regular intervals and stolen away her pain whenever it surfaced. It felt good to be useful. Sitting directly across the table, Onyx showed me her kindest appreciation. Silver, who the feth died and left you in charge? I took a moment to admire the fire in her eyes. A young woman named McKittrick. Who's that? Onyx caught herself. Oh. I held out my hand. She looked at Helix, getting the biomancer's approval. The rest of our crew watched as Onyx slid her hand across the table and placed it in mine. The effect was immediate. Suddenly bereft of any physical discomfort, Onyx began to weep. Helix and Whisper joined her, and everyone shared the feeling of loss and the terror of the previous day. Feth, we could barely survive ourselves, let alone the system that had bolted us to the floor. Welcome to Saikana. The word defunct roamed around in my head. I kept my voice calm. I'm not here to be the boss of anyone. 
I want everyone to make it through the coming year, and I think I can help. Though wounded, Onyx was the second oldest of our group and seemed to have a decent amount of self-control. Her aura sparkled in my sight like a crackling fire. Being a pyro with the burn scars to prove it, she couldn't deny the effects of our pain-stealing connection. Okay, she said, leaving her hand where it was. We'll learn more during orientation, but it's not too early to take a few important steps. Starting now, everyone has a partner to watch their back. I went around the table, pointing out pairs. Never go anywhere without your partner. What about you? Said Helix. McKittrick was my partner. Her ghost was a reminder to watch my back. I'll be available for whoever needs me, and I'll be happy to help Whisper get a good night's sleep. No, that didn't sound creepy at all. You have extraordinary control of your abilities. Who trained you? That's a great question. Who here has decent control of their psychic abilities without the collar? Helix, Jinx, and Dawn responded. Being on the stronger end of the spectrum, Jinx was a surprise, but I didn't question it. He was a telekeen with a deft touch. He'd probably practiced for years before being found out and rounded up for Psychana. Who has better control with the collar on? Everyone but Whisper raised their hand, and as we looked in her direction, the girl broke down. She was here to learn how to conquer the overflow of energy, and had been given a year to prove that she wasn't a menace. I drained her frantic overload the previous evening, and she seemed fine for now. If she survived breakfast, I was sure she would make it through the day. It's okay, said Onyx. She took her hand from mine and offered it to Whisper. We're okay. Whisper didn't argue. I'm sorry. Her voice was strained from the previous night's screams. They call me a biomancer, but all I seem to do is explode like a warp storm. Helix was a different kind of biomancer and far better aware of her abilities. It's her body's energy drawing in more power from the warp than she can handle. Whisper can't control it, and she hasn't been taught how to channel it into something constructive. Speaking of channeling, I have one more item to cover. I looked around the table. Who here is a sexy telepath? Sitting to my left, Dawn blushed profusely and squeaked. Me. It wasn't the sultry voice I was expecting, not even close, but it matched the frail, forgettable girl of 15. Her aura was a thin reddish gold, hinting at the reason for her name. Dawn, you spoke to me last night. Do it again. Hello, Silver. Tickled my inner ear. The woman's voice had a mature, confident, seemingly entitled tone. I liked it. Is it the collar? Yes and no. I'm a telepath, so I don't need the device, but with it on, I can use it. Please show me. Dawn wiggled her nose, which caused everyone to burst out in laughter. She smiled, closed her eyes, and began working her way around the table. When she got to me, she whispered my name as if she were breathing it in my ear. Being an 18-year-old, I considered it the highlight of my month. I watched her closely and rubbed my ear, trying to discern the source of the sensation. I replayed the subtle movement of energy around the tines of Dawn's collar. They eavesdropped on the silent vibrations before sending them onward to a person of Dawn's choosing, and this seemed ludicrously complex to me. Assuming she formed the vocalizations into energy packets, I ignored the collar and tried it my own way. I imagined speaking a simple phrase and capturing the vibrations, moving its energy outward from my mind on a silver carpet. I allowed it to expand in a wave until it reached the minds of everyone around the table. Onyx spoke for the whole group. What the feth is, Starfire? It's my safe word. Don't you have one? She smiled. No, but I might borrow yours sometime if we make it through this week. Dawn snuck a question into my head. 
You didn't use the collar, did you? No, I answered back. One-word answers seemed to be easy enough to send. I switched to my human voice. Dawn, as an astropath, you seem to have the clearest route into the astrotelepathica of anyone here. Where did you get that voice? It's Margot Fellini. She's a holodeck star from Pandora Prime, my homeworld. Once I'd learned to project my voice, I realized I could do even better. Dawn didn't look well-fed and seemed to lack the confidence to be herself. I got the feeling she had barely survived her childhood, but thought it would be impolite to delve further. Well, I said, I've got no complaints. She had to ask. What about you, Silver? What's your special power? I was a parasite. I could sense and collect warp energy. Given a chance, I could also grasp the abilities or spells of other psychers. I wasn't a pyro, but I could light a small fire with my mind. After last night's connection with Whisper, I was fairly sure a ball of lightning was in my future repertoire. Everything depended on gathering enough energy to function, twisting it into my own silver flavor, and studying a practical demonstration. Not knowing where I fit in the scheme of things at Saikana, I played it coy. Dawn, my specialty is staying alive. Across the table, Helix seemed to scoff at the blatant dodge. She'd seen more than her share and knew the Medicaid had far more to do with my survival than anything else. An unmistakable chime rang throughout the hab. 0700 marked the beginning of our first full day, and our callers informed us of where we would be going next. Proctor Veruca Round gave a succinct start to the orientation for Class 1137 Lema. As the local expert in warp energy and the chaotic entities that it attracts, the Proctor would be hosting our initial classes on how to defend ourselves against unreal attacks. Round was an expert in theory, but seemed to have little real practice to pull from. She made the Scola sound more like a means of rehabilitation rather than a place of learning. At Scola Sakana, we treat the students as the universe will treat you. Besides self-defense, we'll teach you control and a vocation that serves the greater good. For most, that will eventually mean assignments among the Imperial Guard. Others will remain within the Astra Telepathica, and a select few will be deemed worthy of working with the Inquisition. Those that can't control themselves may receive surgical implants to permanently shunt away some of their raw energy. Others may receive permanent collars. We'll do what it takes to find your true value, and we expect you to do the same. Only our group of nine sat in the circular audience hall, arrayed around a small, elevated stage. The talk of mind-altering surgeries didn't taste any better than our breakfast. Round continued, As Sanctionites, you are now protected by standard imperial laws, but you must take responsibility for your actions and survival. Sykana straddles the boundary between the governing and the governed, and the sector is a potent mix of both. As proctors, we live among you. During Scola time, we expect Sanctionites to behave as if your life depended on it, and any hostilities, psychic or mundane, will be dealt with severely. This includes threats to students or staff. We also realize that psychers need an outlet to express themselves and their abilities. So we relax our rules and oversight during downtime, the standard hours between 1900 and 0700. To put it bluntly, we'd rather you were challenging each other and learning to cope while doing it. Those wishing to mix it up are welcome to test their mettle, but be aware that other first years often pick upon the greenest classes here, and our Medicaid facility is well-staffed for a reason. Again, the standard laws still apply. Lethal results will receive our attention at any hour. 
This last remark didn't ease the minds of anyone in our small group, and Round took note of the dread on the younger faces. Be it Scola, prison, or arena, Sikana's well-staffed medic K would be the highlight of the session. Within Sikana, there are two sanctioned clans that you may join. Officially chartered, though I won't say by whom, each clan shares a common interest and exists to guide and protect those that share its values. Individuals may choose to align with either clan, regardless of their class, abilities, or professional aspirations. Since psychers are normally highly intelligent, most do. Finally, take note of your callers. While they are no longer instantly lethal, they allow us to track your vital signs and whereabouts. And for those pyros among you, an empty collar will be considered the same as a kill. In other words, if things get out of hand, don't bother trying to burn the bodies. I raised my hand. Regarding existing classes, what does defunct mean? Round frowned. It means a class has suffered casualties or referrals to the point of non-existence. Any survivors have been melded into other classes. It also means that we failed in our analysis and planning for those that were lost. I was surprised by the candid answer and its implications. A great deal of planning went into the development and control of each psyker, but we were as unpredictable as the universe beyond Sykana's walls. The proctor crossed her arms. Anything else? Having once been possessed by a pair of warp entities, I had one positive motivation for being at Skola Sykana. Proctor Round, are you a banisher? The woman was probably three times my age, but I would marry her in a minute if she could teach me to ward off future trespassers from the warp. I've never encountered a warp demon. Few ever do and live to tell about it. But I do teach the arts of demon's bane to those few that find it a potential calling. Be sure that that is a skill few ever attain in full, and it is one best learned by doing. Everyone here, take note. Psychers are beacons and delicacies for the chaotic entities of the Immaterium. Your first lessons will focus on how to protect yourself and resist possession. You will learn to create mental wards shielding your bodies and minds from other psychers as well as the malign denizens of the warp. It is a mandatory skill for the Sanctionites' curriculum on control, and you will be tested. As you advance into your second year, those with suitable aptitude may be given a chance to learn more. Round laid out the coming curriculum. Besides personal control, we would attend tracks covering potential vocations and skills aligned with our existing psychic abilities. We'd begin with the non-lethal variety, and if we reached year two in good standing, we'd be trusted with more potent spells. There wasn't a rule against learning dangerous skills on one's own, but to use them during Scola hours was prohibited. Now Commissar Trasker Belling is here to discuss Psychana security. With that, Veruca Round spun in place and exited the audience hall. She obviously wasn't a fan of the ensuing speaker, and we'd soon find out why. Commissar Belling was 40-ish with an olive complexion, callous brown eyes, and a disappointed turn of the lip. His uniform was spotless and perfectly creased, like his forehead, and I soon wanted to put a dent into both. Belling tapped the weapon holstered on his hip as he spoke. Sanctionites, I direct security at Skola Sikana. I'm here to enforce its rules and laws. The life of a psyker begins with the will of the emperor but often ends with an official of the commissariat. The better we get along now, the better you'll do among the ranks of the Imperial Guard later. But don't ever expect to find leniency among those that suffer your kind's existence. I, for one, have seen what you can do. The threat of a psyker's life offered constant fear and anxiety without some self-made war hero bearing his false teeth at a bunch of teenagers. 
The commissar could read faces with the best of them. Silver, do you have something to add? I thought about it for a second and shook my head. Belling glared at me. Good. You'll all be happy to know that I've read your files. Your abilities and psyker ratings are meaningless to me. Neither will protect you if you don't control yourselves as expected. If you're unsure about that, come find me during downtime and we'll discuss it further. The challenge he put forth was either insane or a well-worn trap. By his overtly confident nature, it seemed unwise to call his bluff, but it couldn't hurt to ask. Could it? I politely raised my hand. Commissar Belling, besides the bolt pistol on your hip, how else could you stop a raging mad psyker? The guards that encircle Saikana all report to me, and their hellguns are kept in pristine condition. This ought to be enough for any recruit, but orientation wouldn't be complete without full disclosure. Class 1137 Lima, please meet Sister Delia Barmasset. An athletic woman wearing battle black dura leather strode onto the small stage and shook Belling's hand. She wore a last pistol on one hip and a whip on the other. She didn't need to tap at them to make me look. The expression on her face spoke of ice-cold dominance, or perhaps her uniform simply fit too tightly. Barmasset stepped to the front of the stage and stared down at all of us, saying, I find Commissar Trasker Belling to be a most fascinating man. Anyone here up for a midnight threesome? At that moment, Locadio Rink and Trasker Belling fell from my list of least favorite beings on Terra. As all the air and energy exited the orientation hall, Helix and Jinx vomited into their hands. I slid out of my chair and sprawled on the floor at Sister Delia's feet, but it didn't help. I recognized her for what she was and fought back an urge to whimper. Sister Delia was a pure null, a psychic black hole. She was the foil of psychers and the bane of warp entities foolish enough to crawl anywhere near her, let alone into her bed. More than anything, she was the final proof that psychers weren't human. Any normal human might have found her presence less than appealing, a common reaction to her inverse aura or the hawkish tattoos on her face. They wouldn't have found themselves completely drained, impaired, and unable to spin a coherent thought. Sister Delia had made her point in an instant and thankfully had a dislike for the smell of breakfast revisited. She walked out of the auditorium escorted by Commissar Belling, leaving the shallow platform empty and Class 1137 Lima completely stunned. Whisper spat out her accumulated bile. That fething witch. She could have warned us. Having met far dirtier versions of Delia Barmasset back home on Fulcrum 4, I sparred with the memories of assassins wielding curses and daggers doused in gray. Like an artificial death, the feeling delivered by Sister Delia had nearly wrecked us all. Welcome to Saikana. Another young woman, one wearing a Scola uniform, set a stack of cold, wet towels on the edge of the stage. I'm neonate Bazina Laurent. Take a towel and try to get cleaned up while I talk to you about House Killhaven. What? I coughed. The name Killhaven stuck in my throat. The neonate continued. I represent one of Saikana's two clan houses. House Killhaven is named after the Dean of Saikana, Master Sindar Killhaven. It's an old, influential clan name and one that is found throughout the galaxy. My counterpart in House Balagam will be along shortly to espouse the virtues of his clan. Miss Laurent let us know that her clan was the largest of two and the most diverse in terms of psyker specialties. The clan focused on recruiting entire classes if possible, offered nicer-than-neutral hab accommodations and far better food, a long list of rules, and their own around-the-clock security. Best of all, they didn't have guard towers and hell guns positioned immediately outside their front door.
In Bazena's words, it was all about measured commitment to the clan and building trust. Ready for battle, second-year Funnel Galt led in a small cadre of Sanctionites. His clan honored the legendary war master Horatio Balagam. Galt assured us that at least 10% of the inhabited worlds in the Imperium could be attributed to the war master's long-ago successes in our galaxy's Segmentum Tempestus. His clan offered many of the same advantages as Clan Killhaven, but took a more active role in maintaining campus security during downtime. They ran patrols throughout Scola Sicana's main sector and chased neutral psychers caught out after dark. They knew the risks. It was simply training for their future as psychers in the Imperial Guard. I liked the idea but had a more personal reason to hunt. Galt, how do the neutrals feel about that? We've had a few serious injuries, but so has Clan Killhaven. The neutrals are usually looking for a fight whether we pay them back or not, and our long-term destinations will be far more dangerous. Are the other neutrals bored or something? Said Jinx. Galt laughed at that. I'm sure they have a dozen good reasons, other than the fact that most psychers are sadistic scrotes. It wouldn't take long to figure out how right he was.